This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, can parenting really change you? <laughs> I welcome back Chris Gethard, comedian, podcaster, and author, who you may remember from way back in 2021. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for having me back. <laughs> it's so nice to have you back. For anyone who may not remember, which I find very hard to believe, Chris is back to talk about his latest installment in a trilogy of books that he has written with Everand, formerly known as Scribd. It's an ebook, an audiobook titled Dad at Peace. Welcome back. Let me ask you, who lives in your house? Just in case things have changed. Uh, it's the same crew. I have, it's myself and my wife, Hallie, and our now four and a half year old son, Cal. Those are the residents That's of the house. And four then, and a half. Yeah. How, how, how you doing? <laughs> I, I'm good. It's a great age. We are, we are. He is potty trained. He even Ooh. wipes his own butt now. Nice. Yeah, but we don't have. I have not had to relearn math. Like he's not. Yeah, he's not, not in a grade yet. where I've had to learn math. But he can yeah. wipe his own butt. So I, I am aware that this is a golden age that I need to embrace. You are correct, and you're really entering some of my favorite stretches of time where fart jokes really, really are starting to be honed. They're starting to really understand humor. Yeah. As a parent of a 10 and 14 year old now, it just, you're just lucky if it matures with age. You just really yeah. hope that like they understand the importance of timing mm -hmm. and, and all of that when it comes yeah. to a good Poop he did. Joke. He crushed a poop joke this morning. Actually, nice. He was eating his breakfast and he yeah. stood up on the chair and was jumping up and down on a wooden chair in socks. Yeah. And I'd oh. like to think I wasn't being overzealous as a parent. I don't think I was being a helicopter parent <laughs> no, by saying, no, "Hey, no, you weren't actually." To say you're going to fall and hurt yourself, <laughs> you have to sit on your bottom. Yeah. And he looked me right in the eye and said, "Daddy, I'm not a slippy boy. I'm a poopy boy." And I burst out laughing, and he continued to dance on the chair. Yes, boom. Loved it. That Nailed is, it. that's amazing. I want to give you something to look forward to, and that would be Mad Libs. Not sure if you were mm. a Mad Libs kid. I remember uh, them well, yeah. Remember yeah. them well. They are back in all their glory in our house with all the key important things like noun, boobs, uh, yeah. noun, penis, noun, Perfect. right? Like poop. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> Dinner time is a great time at the Lawrence household. <laughs> you are bringing back memories that Mad Libs felt like yeah. a sort of forbidden underground yes. thing when I was a kid. Like my best friend and I, when we got our hands on a book of Mad yeah. Libs, we thought it was something bad. Oh, And I yeah. look back now as a 43-year-old man and I go, yeah. it could, could not be a softer, rebellious activity <laughs> than, writing, than writing Wiener in a yeah. Mad Lib. Wiener. I know. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, I give you this knowledge, children. Now go to sleepovers. You are Love welcome. It. Love it. Well done. Done my job. That's it. Uh -huh. That's the bar. So 
Chris, I know that from talking to you before we started recording that you are having a day today. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So how, how are you? What you doing? What you got okay. going on? I, I mean, I <laughs> flew home on a red eye from the West Coast last night because I was doing a few shows. Uh-huh. And I'm prepping for a colonoscopy tomorrow, which is, is just really a well... Mm-hmm. Just such a well-planned stretch of life on my end to say yes. let's let's schedule the colonoscopy uh, 24 <laughs> hours after you land from an overnight flight. So it's <laughs> these yes. are and I I do these things to myself. Like yeah. I scheduled all of those things. No one no, no one forced me to time anything that way. No, that's all me. You made those choices. Yeah, some might say that those are signs of my continuing psychological struggles. <laughs> that I set it up that way. It's pure self sabotage. Amazing. But it's also being a forty-three-year-old dad, right? Like yeah. I gotta get home quick for my kid, and then I also gotta start chugging these laxatives because <laughs> now we need the colonoscopy. That's like the like the subtitle of your book title. That's like yeah. the. <laughs> That's the next one. That's the next book. I'll ever next, next year. Yeah. All right. I, I want to actually get in a little bit to the trilogy and the book because mainly because you said you're you're just coming back from doing some shows. Like the first yeah. two books, Dad on Pills and Lonely Dad Conversations, really seem to be setting the stage for this latest installment, Dad at Peace. Which yeah. spoiler uh, focuses on you choosing to walk away some from yeah. this this life and yeah I, like i i guess my first question is i know that the process of writing can be not only cathartic but sometimes after you've written it you wind up spotting stuff that you missed in therapy right big time. and yeah. yeah big time and i'm wondering how those first two books like the roles they played in this latest book and and sort of, yeah, tell us a little bit about this choice. I love the question because it is an interesting way to think about it because, yes, you know, I wrote Dad at Pills, which was about I have been medicated and seeing yeah. a shrink forever and our dads didn't do that. And yeah. if they did, that was kept secret. And right. Now we are in an age where that's open and how do I be this guy who's been very public about this stuff and also be a dad? There's not really a training for that. That's a new thing. And writing all of that down, you know, so much of it was about it will give me more empathy to be able to be there for him should he ever face it. The Lonely mm-hmm. Dad Conversations was conversations with a bunch of friends of mine, some of them comedians, many of them not all dads of a similar age of just like, how are we trying to do this differently? Like what, <laughs> what is our job in 20, you know, the 2020s as we know more than we did and we have different priorities and so many things are more open and honest and accepted now. And how do you incorporate that into being a dad when our dads didn't have those toolkits and yeah, all of those things certainly did. I think, you know, I am someone who on my best days is prone to a lot of emo self-reflection and certainly <laughs> becoming a father. I think anyone has a lot yeah. of those moments of, you yeah. know, you're going back and listening to the sad music from your teenage years again and feeling all these big weird emotions. And yeah, I'm laughing because that it, it is incredibly true. And I think I just want to say to you a gift to hold on to that because Thank as you. my kids enter their teen years, 
I feel like I still have a foot in that. You know, like that doesn't feel like a hundred years ago to me. That still feels as Smith's and bad seventh grade poetry as, you know, I, I once lived so absolutely good job I'm doing thank you <laughs> I I think if you turn if you if i was to turn off or not acknowledge those emotions i'd yeah. be falling into the trap that my dad's generation fell into and i think you know and my dad yeah. is great but i think he would be the first to say like yeah we weren't emotionally available like we right. didn't have the luxury of that or the bandwidth or the desire to be emotionally available to our kids. And you guys are good on you. I hope it helps, you know, like do better <laughs> yeah. than we did. Like, uh, but I think anybody who read those books would say that it they were reflective of some very clear struggles of trying to sort out like, where am I at and how do I do this? And I am not feeling totally confident in my ability to do so. And I think dad at peace I would like to think is reflective of like, hey, the past three years that I've been writing this and sorting this all out, I think I have figured out some ways to feel good about where I'm at in life. And in a strange way, a a lot of it does come down to feeling like there are certain things on which I just frankly give up and they are dreams Mm -hmm. that I have had and pursuits that which I've actually been moderately to sometimes even very right. successful, successful you know like, right yeah and some of that is realizing how much of a young as a young person who doesn't have the responsibility of being a parent your ego can be a driving force and that yeah. there's something that's healthy and some things that are unhealthy about that but everybody finds their balance but as a dad so much of my ego has just had to get flushed away and I actually, that was yeah. a scary process and one that filled me with self-doubt, but now I'm on the other side of it and I feel very much like, cool, I think, I think I'm okay. So yeah, you know, if anybody doesn't want huge spoilers, you might want to skip ahead right now, but I have a day <laughs> job now. Like I have a boss what? that I report to. I have. <laughs> now you got to go back into comedy because the day job supports the nights. <laughs> well, it's true that it's given me an immense amount of freedom. Because, freedom. And, and I will tell you, even like my yeah. podcast, Beautiful Anonymous, a lot of the listeners have yeah. started to say to me, like, you are having a lot of fun again. And we can hear this enthusiasm in your voice and this carefree side of you we haven't heard in a while. And at the end of the day, I got a day job and it gives me and my family health insurance. And it's yeah. for a nonprofit mental health organization. Like it's as far as sellout moves yeah. go. It's not like I went and started working. Like I'm not like selling yeah. opiates for you know right. for the that evil family that makes you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, doing yeah, something yeah. evil, but I have a day job and a boss, and I go and I go on a website and I claim my checks, and the website is called Paycom. Which when I heard yeah. it, I was like, I can't believe this is real. People do this, and I know so many people listening to this are like, well, of course we have a day job, but I can't tell you how much. For me, you know, to have struggled and said like, well, I've always been an artist and that means something. And it turns out some of the answer was just like, does it really? I don't think it does. I think (laughs) I need to get this child health insurance. That supersedes my arts career right now. And maybe in five, six years, that'll change. But for now, I just kind of got beaten into submission and then actually realized I truly liked it. Yeah, I think that's a hard place to get to. I know that there are people in the world who fall into whatever role they're taking on when a kid gets into their house and they're like, got this, right? But for many of us, 
it is not a natural progression. It is an ego shock. Yeah. I almost wonder if the notion of, I don't know how to do this, right? Like, I mean, that's a lot of us have said, I don't know, what am I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if it's, if that's actually the right language for it. I, I, I wonder if that is more of a question of, am I ready to unpack all this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so yeah. much to unpack and it just keeps coming. And like, you just keep thinking, I got it. This is, I, I can remember the day when my oldest was probably four or five and I really had this, I was dropping her off at preschool and she made some sort of comment like, when I grow up, I'm going to be, uh, I want to be just like you. I want to be a mom. And I was in the middle of like, I am not a mom. I hate the, I'm not a, I don't, who said I'm supposed to be a mother? Like, what the fuck is that? I'm not a vessel. And, but like, it hurt. Like, it got me like so, so deep. And I was like, actually, actually, maybe I do like it. Right. And yeah. I still wrestle with it. Like, it's that, that argument, that, not argument, that, that question of identity is constantly fucked with. Absolutely. Right? I mean, my wife is an artist as well. She was on Broadway yeah. and a dancer and an aerialist and did all this cool stuff. And oh, then that's we gotta ha have been. Yeah, and she was a musician. She was the band leader on my old TV show I hosted. That's how we met. And then yeah. our show got canceled. She got pregnant. Our son is born, pandemic hits. We moved yeah. to suburban New Jersey after she's been in New York for 25 years 25, and I've been for yeah. 16. So it's like- Is she in therapy too? Oh, I mean, who's not the- <laughs> like, really, know, if, <laughs> believe me, There's HIPAA Good. laws, I can't speak for her, but Good. come on, you can put connect <laughs> the dots on your own. I just wanna make sure she's uh, okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you, we had, this, we had this moment where, you know, I mean, it was there was so much massive life change in such a short time, and then yeah. our son is now old enough to understand that I sometimes go on stage and tell jokes, and that yeah. mommy used to go on stage and dance, and she's taken him to Broadway shows, and she's taken him to dance shows, and says, "This is what mommy did for her job for a long time." And he at one point said to us, "Like mommy and daddy, I was I was thinking about it, and just so you know, I don't want my job to be going on stage." <laughs> And on some level, I'm heartbroken because, you yeah. know, my work, I would like to think I've always been a community builder. And a lot of it yeah. was like, hey, if you have any artistic in inclination, yeah. you owe it to yourself to go try and like <laughs> kick down some doors and don't take no for an answer. And there's been like, I think a lot of weirdo comedy kids who would tell you that like yeah. the, there are people on Saturday Night Live right now who told me like I used to watch your old public access show yeah. when I was in middle school and high school and that it was part of what made me feel okay being a weirdo and I'm like yeah. that's amazing <laughs> but when my own kid looked at me and said I don't nope. want to be an artist my wife and I powwowed about it later that night and we were yeah. both like oh thank god oh good good yeah yeah Go work in a cubicle and have yeah. a 401k Sounds so awesome. Good. Yes. Great. And I'm sure that'll change a million times. But he was like, I don't want to be an artist. And we, were, I was like, thank goodness. Good. Only like when my second child came around, the older one then said to me and has said it repeatedly ever since, I do not want to be a parent. <laughs> Look at that. Once right, they see? saw how it went. Good job. Yeah. Then I'm doing an even better job. There you go. <laughs> right. Honey, there you, you go. won't have to. She's like, yeah. how do I keep myself from being a 
mom. And I was like, oh, well, there's pills. There's uh-huh. <laughs> like lots of different choices. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we'll still have those things. I know, but... yeah. Just, you know, when you get to voting age, make yep. sure you do the research on the candidates that protect all these things. Yeah. But there's safeguards in place. You're, I will say there's nothing better than salary and health insurance. Those are excellent. Yeah. How though, I mean, I got to I gotta imagine it's like quitting smoking, which... I was able to do a while ago where like, like I don't buy packs of cigarettes anymore, but if I'm out with friends, I'll bum a cigarette. Right. Like, yeah. So once you have worked so long and hard on a career like you have, even with the joys of checks and insurance, and, and I totally understand that sense of, yeah, no, my kid needs health insurance, right? Like, and all of those motivations that go with it, that's still a really hard process to do. How are you doing with that? I mean, like, that's hard. It's not always easy, but I do, I really love, I, what I really love is that by opting into a life that's less quote unquote cool or flashy than my past artist life, it gives me the freedom in my 40s to say no to things that I did not have up until last year when I took this job. So, yeah. for example, I told you I was just out doing yeah. some shows. I did shows at a beautiful festival in San Francisco called Sketch Fest. Where oh, they've yeah, been Sketch Fest, San Francisco. Been around forever. They're the Which best. Is, as you know, part of yeah. it is that it's a great festival, and part of why you say yes to that festival yeah. is because you're going to run into – Everybody. A, do- a dozen people that you haven't caught up with in a few years. Yeah. And then my agent goes, do you want to go tack on a show in Portland at the end of it? Because you'll be on the West Coast and it's a short flight. And I go, yeah. my old friends, Murph and Diana, who were on my TV show, they live in Portland. And yeah. I've only met their kid once and I'll get to go meet their kid and then do a show in a city I love. Like, that's why yeah. I get to say yes now. And, you know, for example, like... One of the things that really messed with my head a couple years ago was I got offered an acting job Mm. and I felt like I had to take it to get insurance and it was in Canada and it's a great job and I will not complain about being an artist. There's too much complaining. There's too too many comedians who treat it like we're coal miners. Like no one is (laughs) shooting at us and trying to... force us to pay with script right. at the company store like it's a yeah. it's it's a cushy thing but that being said this was a job that i got on very short notice and it was in canada during the pandemic so i had to go quarantine in a hotel and sit yeah. in a hotel room for two entire weeks and they said the government will check if you're there you can't go walk around the block and i worked one and a half days and then flew home wow. so to be apart from my son when he's at this really formative age where i have to go feel like i'm sitting on the side of a highway in a hotel in vancouver to get him health insurance and then i come back and he knows more words and like yeah you know, he was in the somewhere between two and three at that point and you know you missed two and a half weeks of a two-year-old's life you have missed some cool things like I can now say like I just last week was proud of myself because it was funny so the, the shows I just did were the first time I went on the road in two months and I said to my wife I took two months off like all the other shows I've done have been right here in Jersey in New York and I'm sleeping in my own bed and she's like 
I guess that's some progress, but most people don't get a pat on the back for being home every weekend for two months. Like it's, it's progress, but it's not revolutionary, but you know, I got offered an acting gig and it was a Vince Gilligan project, which is super cool and flashy. And I looked at it and you have to go live in Albuquerque for a while. And I was able to say to my manager, I already have health insurance, so I can remove that pressure. And I can say that while it would be so cool to work with this person who's made so many things I love, my son Mm -hmm. is at a great age. I want to be around. I just don't want to go to Albuquerque for a while. And to feel that freedom of I can pass on a potentially cool thing and I can pass on a thing that would get my family insurance in my old era and go, I don't need to be cool and have a Vince Gilligan job on my (laughs) resume. That's not as cool as the fact that my kid is in his last year of preschool. Yeah. And once summer camp hits this year, he's gonna be gone full-time school hours and that's never gonna change for the rest of my life. Like yeah, right. Vince Gilligan is cool. My kid being home yeah. every day until noon and then home at three, like, and getting all that time with him. No offense, Mr. Gilligan, I'd love to work <laughs> with you someday. <laughs> That's just cooler Not for now. me right now. Yeah. And to be able to disengage from all the tangled up ego and pressure and expectations of the entertainment industry because I do another job on the side that that disentangles my health insurance from it. And to be able to say like, yeah, I don't need to scramble to take everything. I don't need to get on planes and travel sort of, I wouldn't say against my will because nobody's putting a gun to my head, right. but to make the life adjustments where it really feels like a choice now Mm. has been so gratifying and makes me feel nobody needs to pat a dad on the back for trying to be around his family more. It's the standard and the way it should be. But I feel like my life was not that. And now it is. That's my question. So you talk about the pressures of the entertainment industry. You know, I, I remember leaving New York years ago and having to get through that if you leave New York, it means you failed, right? right. Just, just I've moving. had to struggle just with that. That's a big part of what this book is. New York, right? Is yeah. You have failed, as if, but there's no other city in the world that if you move from it, right. it, it is tied to some sort of insanity. And then once you leave, you're like, oh, that was right. bullshit. Well, it's also like if you leave New York, you failed, but then winning apparently means like, guys, I have a room with a window and a closet and your friends are like, what? What? What Can you you rent that closet out? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have have natural sunlight and a place to store your clothes. What? And there's a toy. Where's the toilet? Is it next to the fridge? Anyway. That being said, a beautiful place and a beautiful 16 years of my life was spent in that city. But I remember we left because, you know, we'd had the kid there and it was just, I, you, if you don't have the thing you really want to do, yeah, that it's really hard to live in that city uh, if you're not rich. Oh, so, the first time, yeah, I will never forget carrying my son's <laughs> stroller. Now, my wife had him, thank God, she had him on the subway in yeah. the baby Bjorn, and she yeah. was already on the platform. I'm carrying the stroller down, yeah, and I had no to go. Oh, Did listen. anybody help? No one It helped. was even better. No, no, no. No one helped, but I'm yeah. carrying the stroller. But what people did do was they cleared out of the way because it wasn't a little oh. tiny subway stroller. No, it was our I big know stroller. it's not. It's a big. So I'm hoisting this thing down and everybody clears off, which was more than New York. That's mostly very there. nice. <laughs> and then I am three steps from the bottom uh-huh. and a woman starts walking up those last two steps oh, and then just stops in front of me and then <gasps> stares me down. <laughs> 
stares me down and we have this moment and I swear to you I look we are looking each other in the eye and uh -huh. I was like so baffled because there's yeah. 30 steps behind yeah. me and two in front of me and yeah. I go is there any way you could just step down the two steps and let me by and she grabbed the other side of the shoulder stroller pinned my back against the guardrail and then squeezed past and jammed the stroller Shut into me and it was up. That's it, the best. There had been a number of things where I was like, I don't know about me in New York anymore. And that right. was the one where I was like, I'm out. I'm good. My I wife know. is I'm not good. totally out yet, but this has gone from we're probably going to leave in the next couple of years yeah. to I am actively How starting fast. a propaganda campaign to convince my wife because someone just used the stroller yeah. as a way to pin me to a guardrail yeah. and then was like, she, and as she went by, she went, huh, come on. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm not the bad one here. I'm not the bad one here, ma'am. I have gotten into that with a very old woman once on the subway. So I understand. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, any, wow. And any station that does have an elevator, you yeah, get they on don't it. Work. You don't want to be in the they elevator. They don't work or you realize that God bless, you know, the yeah. unhoused. These are yeah. just toilets. Like they are. Elevators in the New York subway system are literal toilets. Are literally toilets. Yes. But you know what? Funny enough, my question that yeah. are where I was trying to get to. Yes, but thank then we you had for this, allowing the rant. No, I enjoyed the rant too, because oh. I needed to do it as well. Yeah, just New York, not a great place for a baby. No, I'm sorry. Unless you're New York, extremely actually, rich. Actually, an okay place for a baby, not okay to be a parent. But, I mean, people fucking hate you. Anyway. Yeah, but <laughs> if you are, I do have parents who have stayed, like we have a great yeah. friend of ours who's a, you know, a single Same. mom who opted into this, what, knew she was going to be a single mom, Yeah, raises her kid in Brooklyn. He's like Same. the coolest, most cultured, chill kid. Yeah. I'm like, if you can pull it off, yeah, great. Me, yeah. I could not do yeah. it. I couldn't yeah. do it. I was not strong enough. If you're not crying every night, then you're yeah. winning somehow. And yeah. I was not, I'm the same as you. I was like, nope, this is not going to work. Couldn't but, do it. So you've got all this, so we, I think it was important to get through that because yeah. it, it, I think it stacks up that pressure as an entertainer, as a performer, but there is also the cultural pressures, norms, standards, baggage, past, you know, whatever of the idea of dad. And I mean, it's foolish and insulting to be like, moms are the only ones who get it because it's not it dads I mean my husband you know the things that really bother him I'm always sort of amazed at and then I'm like oh I guess that like dad jokes like he's like it's a fucking joke and I'm like well it's the same thing as mom jeans they're just fucking jeans I'm just <laughs> I've had a child um, stop labeling but the the dad thing, I mean, you touched on this at the beginning with, you know, our parents were more limited because of the norms and the standards, right? Those have changed, not everywhere in even our own country or even yeah. uh, within a state, but to be part of a generation of dads you know, trying to, and I, I think being a comedian plays a part into that because I, I do think at, at the heart of comedy is, is self-reflection and honesty. So it doesn't surprise me if you're sitting around with like a group of other dads who, you know, are in entertainment that 
But yeah, you're like, we're doing this a little differently. How do we do this? Wrestling with those questions. But I guess I'm just trying to get it like, aside from the entertainment pressures, how are you, were you, will you be dealing with the cultural norms of what dad is? Right? Like, it's hard to, I can tell you, yeah. you don't hear a lot of it's dads a saying, question. I fucking love getting this insurance. And, you know, be, I mean, there are other others who would be like, I would go on the road. Yeah. That's, and not for the fame of it or the ego of it that way, but from a. Yeah. Lifestyle wise. I would, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it is weird to think about how many things I'm reconsidering about mm -hmm. my own father since my son has been born right. and realizing like, oh man, he was 27 and I was his second kid and he had yeah. a mortgage. Yeah. And back then your mortgage had like a 18% interest rate and all these <laughs> right. crazy things he tells me. And yeah. he did a good job. Yeah. But they, I remember in the second book in lonely dad interviews, one of the guys I interviewed was like, think about the fact that none of our fathers were allowed to go to therapy. Yeah. And none of them had YouTube. And I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what would I do without therapy yeah. or YouTube? And YouTube. Like, <laughs> the amount of dad things that yeah. all you are doing is assembling things by following a YouTube tutorial. Yeah. Or like now I'm a homeowner and I've started to realize like there's all these things I don't yeah. know how to do. But if do. I call the if I call the person who's gonna fix them, like I installed a light switch last month and my hey. wife was like Dude, what? <laughs> but I'm like, look, if we call an electrician, they're going to charge us just to walk through the door. So I might yeah. as well go and break it and fuck the whole thing For, up. Yeah. <laughs> so right. like, I'll run to the hardware store and try. And then because we, we're probably paying yeah. them the same amount, whether I totally fuck it up or they just do the hardware store version right. of it. So you start to like yeah. go all in on stuff like that. And it's trial by fire, you know. And And I think as far as a lot of the societal stuff. I do realize, you know, I had, again, in the second book, I had a friend who said to me, he was like, there was a lot of things our dad's generation could have done better. He was like, one thing they didn't, that I really think they got right, that we're not getting right, is he's like, people our age, they want to become parents and still be cool. Right. And our parents, none of them were concerned about being cool. Like, they all dressed like shit. Yeah. And had like two sets of friends that would come over and play Uno <laughs> once a month. And you'd like grill in the backyard with some yeah. stuff you bought at the A&P. And he was like, and it was not cool. No. And that wasn't a concern of theirs. Right. And the sooner we can get that out of our head, the sooner you can just relax. And he said that to me and I was like, oh man, I feel a weight lifting off my shoulders. Because I did live a life that yeah. by many people's standards was pretty fucking cool, cool. for a long time. So to give up on that, but to realize, yeah, the, if the parenting thing is going to work, yeah, I don't know if I have it in me to be both a good dad and a cool dad and good yeah. dad is the priority, you know, like me being yeah. cool and yeah. still being like a hipster comic tastemaker in Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> do I struggle with it every day and go like, man, the Brooklyn kids now, they haven't even heard of me. And I was one of the guys who built the whole scene I, 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 for yeah. years. I know. But I'm like, uh, who cares? Who cares at the okay. end of the day? Because at the end of the day, your kids go into that sleepover with the Mad Lib skills that will blow 
all of their friends away. Hopefully. We'll <laughs> that, see. Who knows? We, we got we have to pick like our, our shaping of battles. I mean, there are great conversations you get to have about. I can remember the first time my I was, you know, in New York for September 11th, saw the entire thing from my window at work and like walked New York City. And we, you know, we've got all those experiences. And I can remember the first time my oldest came home with like a joke that she had overheard at school. I, I don't remember the joke, but I mean, it's the same sort of thing, the challenger jokes, right? Like when the challenger exploded was when I was like in second or yeah. third grade. I still remember all those. And I remember having to have this like, like this weird place of conversation and timely and timeless and like, all of this sort of joke structure and what humor is and why it's okay and why it's not know your audience and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think those, those comedy skills come in real handy as a parent. Yeah. Uh, I real, think so. real handy. I mean, and not just in breaking down those sorts of jokes or turning to your partner and then sharing the joke. And possibly teeing on your own. Don't tell the children. Yeah. But, you know, humor helps helps get through it all. I will say I had this weird moment early on where I really struggled with number two and postpartum and just really all kinds of things. Everybody can just listen to the first 10 years of the show. Where I'm still <laughs> figuring it out. But uh, a lot of crying. But I can remember the first time my oldest used humor. Yeah. To de-escalate a situation, not de-escalate. Yeah. But I was just like break the really tension. to break the tension, and I looked at her and I was like, "I am so sorry." Like that, I, like my response was, "This is not. This, I don't know if this is the gift I want to pass on to you." Right, right, right. Like right. anyway, it's all fucked up. Yeah. But what is not fucked up is the intensive work you are doing on yourself, and I think it's good to have. Have you, like, what's the response been from the, you know, world when it comes to this? Like, I, I, I got to imagine people are happy to hear some of these things. Yeah. And it's to be someone who hosted a TV show, yeah. had an HBO special, did all these things. And now telling some of my friends, like even yesterday in Portland, my buddy was one of the sidekicks on my TV show. He was the yeah. announcer. And I said to him, like, oh, I'm really liking my new day job. And he was like, what? And <laughs> what? I was like, oh, I didn't oh. tell you. I was like, I got I have a day job. Like, I have a boss and a schedule. And and he was like, really? And I started telling him about it. And I always have some insecurity because sure. there are also – and, you know, this is true for everybody. I also think there are some – you know, they are tied to some masculinity things that amp them up more. But sure. this idea that – you're not allowed to make less money this year than you made last year. You know, that you right. are, you know, that if these people who I lived a dream with being on this TV show and them going, guys, I, I, I'm out, I got a day job and yeah, whatnot. You know, I'm always worried about how it's going to be met. And what I find consistently is that I, I have people go, wait, huh? And there's some slight concern of like, are you having a midlife crisis or people who are close to me are you having some sort of like mental panic breakdown that we yeah. need to worry about because you've had a couple of those over the years yeah. and the insecurity of that almost feels bad but then when i tell people yeah i 
I am working for a nonprofit that places mental health services in schools yeah. and they want me to build an arts wing of their program. People turn around and go, oh, wait, that's fucking cool. Awesome. You know, yeah. and if you're going to sell out, that's a good way to do it. So that's one of the things I've learned is like for anybody out there who is like, I would like I would like to adjust my life and yeah. there's insecurity around it. Like there's, you know, one of the nice things is that there are good hearted people and organizations out there trying to do stuff. And I managed to link up with one of them. And my yeah. guess is that there's other versions of that for other people. So once I get past the insecurity of it, those conversations are good. <laughs> and then I had a very, very freeing conversation once with someone about it who said to me something really lovely, which was, I explained to them, I have this chance at this job, but it kind of means that I won't have the freedom to go to LA as much. And it's kind of mm -hmm. giving up on that and like trying to pitch writing stuff. I'm probably going to stop doing as much of that because there's just pressure and failure and pressure and failure. And then when you hit, you hit big, but I don't know if I can play that lottery right now. It's, it's yeah. awesome with me. And somebody was like, you know, I first met you like, 12 13 years ago when you were like mr renegade had a public access show that was like anti-system and this and that and if you told me hey in 12 years yeah that guy's either gonna be in la doing pilot season or he's gonna be helping to build an arts program for a mental health in schools organization <laughs> i would bet money that that dude and the integrity he had back then would be doing the second yeah. one not the first one and I was like, oh, right, this is all my yeah. ego fucking with me. This is my ego fucking with me. Yeah. Well, but it's, it is so true when I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the question of the pressures of being a dad and those sorts of things. And I, I realized it's an unfair question because we've been delving into that for motherhood this whole time. And the, the answer is no one actually gives a shit. And it really is your right. ego. Like no one really right. does care if like how you're dadding or how you're momming or like that you chose to get this job for the insurance or that, or that you did like, it really is about the intimate relationship you have with your family right that yeah. and whatever that family looks like and all the whether it's i should have taken the tv show or you know helped this nonprofit. it it, it really is the same as i want to take my kid to you know chuck e cheese and let him lick the poles right <laughs> uh, and everybody's gonna judge me right right yeah. so, and they're not they don't no they really don't care and you're right it's freeing once you once you let that go i also took my son to a chuck e cheese here in new jersey yes. on his birthday oh, this year and it was double on a, gross it was on a monday it was also on a monday night yes. and it was when i tell you that it was yeah. a yeah. truly profoundly sad experience yeah. that is not an exaggeration at all the, chuck e cheese on route 10 in new jersey monday yeah. night sad place to be I have to tell you, all of them are. The first time I took mine, I was like, let's do it. Like, I take mine. Yeah. And I was like, it's so bright in here. God, yeah. it's like New York. It's like New York and L.A. Somebody was, I was hanging out with some friends the other day. Both of us had been in New York forever, moved to L.A. And I said, yeah, my only problem with moving to L.A. was it's like New York with the lights on all the time. And you can yeah. see everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to see all this. I need it dark. 
I need it yeah. dark, a little darker. Chris, this has been delightful. Will you please stick around and share some genius and uh, fails with, yeah, with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Everybody, we'll be right back. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bombas. Did you know that socks, tees, and underwear are the top requested clothing items in homeless shelters? Bombas is doing something about it by creating incredibly comfy essentials and donating one for each one purchased. I have talked about how comfortable my Bombas socks are, but I have shifted on I got myself a set of the no see, no line, no show styles of underpants, and they truly are. But of course, the thing that makes me love Bombas is the fact that I feel good buying things from them because of their commitment to providing socks, underwear, and t-shirts to the homeless. Are you ready to get comfy and to give back? Head over to bombas.com slash badmother and use code badmother for 20% off your first purchase. The Eurovision Song Contest. Hundreds of millions of people watch it every year. It played a part in the democratic revolution in Portugal. It introduced the world to Riverdance and it launched Celine Dion's career. But you might have never watched it. It's got so much history and so many storylines that it can feel overwhelming to get into. Mm -hmm. It's like a real housewife season, but everyone's a better singer. Well, sometimes, but that's where we come in. I'm Dimitri Pompey. I'm Oscar Montoya. And I'm Jeremy Bent, and we're the hosts of Eurovangelists. If you're new to Eurovision, we'll tell you everything you need to know to start enjoying the world's most important important song competition. And if you're already a fan, we'll dive deep on its wildest moments, like when Ireland sent a turkey puppet to sing for them. You're Evangelist. New episodes every Thursday. On MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206 350 9485. That's 206 350 9485. Genius fail time. This is a, it's not so much a genius that I did or a moment like I got my kid to do this or I didn't forget this. It was just a really fucking nice parenting moment, like a, like a nice biz as a person moment. I puzzle. I love a jigsaw puzzle. I'm very good at it. It's my special gift. If I could somehow monetize how good I am at jigsaw puzzles, I would do it. Maybe this will be the year that I do competitive jigsawing. Anyway, I, love that. I like to do my jigsaw. I have like a little caddy in my room. I'm jigsawing on a puzzle. And in comes Katie Bell, the oldest. And she's coming in to do the like weird, it's seven o'clock at night. And now I've decided to tell you all about my day thing and sits down and starts... My kids never puzzle with me. This is the point. No one ever does. Probably yeah. because I'm so fucking great at it. Anyway, there she starts picking up pieces and kind of putting them in. Ellis, the 10-year-old, he wanders in. He sits on the bed. And the next thing I know, all of us are pulling pieces. And, you know, do you have the red one over there? Here, you're working on that section over there. Like, is that all of our genuine competitive 
bitter, jaded yeah. anger that is our family. Yeah. Just went right out the window. Stefan walked in and was like, like as if he just walked in on the whole weird moment that he shouldn't have witnessed. He like walks in and he's like, he's like, oh. And I was like, I know, don't ruin it. It's so nice. It's so nice. And it was so nice. We all puzzled together. Well, Stefan didn't. I was like, get out. Don't ruin this. But like, yeah. and like me and the children had this quiet moment all working on a puzzle. They were like, this is so nice. I'm Sounds like, like it, Zen. It was. I was like, this is really nice. The next day I started a new puzzle and they were like, oh no, we're going to wait till you get almost to the end to help. <laughs> nice. I was like, nice. Fair. They just want the was, dopamine kick of the victory. They did. Because we all in the family, when you get a piece, you, you got to go, bam. Yeah. Bam. So everybody's just sitting around there. Bam. Love Boom. that. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. I would, my genius and fail are actually. Oh, just genius right now. Just give I, me a genius. I will warn you though. They're, they're. They're hand in, in hand. Hand in hand. All right. Um, well, well, it'll be like a cliffhanger. I will tell you so. <laughs> One thing I'm sure you remember about the phase where I'm at when they're this little is there's a lot of stubbornness on their end and just endless refuse. Put your shoes yeah. on, put your coat on, eat yeah. your breakfast. Do yeah. like, God forbid a meal takes less than two and a half hours, yeah. you know, like <laughs> we just send them to school hungry because yeah. he refuses to yeah. eat. Like it's bad. So much convincing. <laughs> and one thing that you start to learn is that you can kind of psychologically trick yes. them at times. Oh, and bribery, Chris. Join yeah, us in the goes world a long of way. bribery. Go ahead. Yes. Um, but one of the things I am <laughs> proud of is that when he got to the phase that I think every parent knows, and I, I think especially with boys, but with all kids, but I think boys are notorious for this, is when my son potty trained, he was fully great at it unless <laughs> something fun was happening. <laughs> Right. And then he's just like, there's a cartoon on. I'm not going to yeah. stop to pee. Or like, my yeah. friends are over. Why We're having fun. I'm not going to stop. I'll just piss myself. Right. And what you learn as a parent is you got to trick them. And sometimes what you do is you make the boring thing seem fun. Yeah. And we started doing pee races. Yes. And it became Good this. Job. Yeah. This daddy son activity of like, hey, buddy, I'm going to pee. I bet I can pee faster, pee faster than you. Than you. Yeah. And he really loves it because he yeah. always wins. And yes. It, what's fun for me is like sometimes he gets cocky where he's like, I win every time. And I'm like, yeah, your bladder's smaller. Like I yeah. <laughs> I invented I invented this game yeah. to trick you. But I don't, I don't tell him that. Sure. So I, I thought the P race was a pretty good development. That's genius. No, yeah. it's so yeah. good. Thank you so it's, much. Oh, I really love it. In a similar vein, Ellis would be like, I'm not doing it. I don't have to do it. I was like, I bet you a dollar that you don't have to pay, right? Mm. Or I bet you a dollar you do. You know that if you right. pee, you win a dollar, right? Yeah. Or whatever. I bet you can pee in the next two minutes. Minutes. That's right. That type of stuff. I was raised by a gambler, and so oh. and an ad man. So, like again, that Love man that. had no problem just being like, uh, "I'll pay you a dollar if you can set the <laughs> <laughs> if you can set the TV trays up blindfolded, right?" Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like an idiot. Hi, I'm calling with a genius. I brought an extra towel to my child's swim lesson and it changed the whole experience. It made it way easier to get him finished when he was done and get him redressed. So an extra towel, always a helping hand. 
Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm wondering where your children's book is because it's genius. This is... Yeah. I wish that the caller had shared the steps of the process when the extra towel comes into play because I'm very, sure. very interested. Oh, it's whatever. Here, Here's a pro tip. Uh, that you may not be asking for. Children are disgusting, and when yeah. they swim, they get very fucking wet. And somehow, yeah. whatever towel you have brought, it it's is horrible. soaked. It's soaked before you even get to the changing room. Like it's yeah. like ringable. It's ringable. So, are we thinking this is one disgusting pool towel and then a second shower towel, yeah. or just may- a at some point we transition because the first towel's gross, so we have the second one to move on at any given point. You know, when I eat anything, I need five napkins, minimum, (laughs) minimum. So this seems perfectly logical to me that you might need up to three to maybe five towels. I love that you said shower. My kids were like, what? I got one that doesn't even swim because of like such a weird sensory thing. So I just pick them up wet, stick them in the car. You know, I'm like that. We've all done it. Yeah, we're all, you're wet. I mean, like, oh, when it's your towel, that's the worst. That's the heartbreak. When you're, yeah. I yell, I'm like, that's my towel. And she was dry. It was, it was dry. Why would you pick it up? Anyway, you are a genius. You're like, I'm seriously doing an amazing job. You've clearly just changed Chris's life. Yeah, Good 100%. Job. Failures. Fail, fail, fail. You suck. Well, my uh, failure is I took Ellis to a birthday party. And look, everybody, Ellis has had a lot of growth. Okay. Ellis is slightly wired a little differently. Parties, not always the most joyous place, unless there's like a role play. We're not like a park kid. Okay. Like that's too free roamy for for Ellis's uh, comfort. But it's fair. It's fine. But this party, it's a good friend. And it was at a, it's the first time since the pandemic that we've been invited or anybody has had uh, one of those like gymnastics ninja zone sort of parties where you go and there's a couple of teens that like take you through. As soon as I walked in, I was like, this place is fucking just, just smelled like feet and like teen regret. It smelled so bad in there. It was like, just like humid with smell. Oh, I've been. And, oh, These are ooh, very and, big with preschoolers right now. Yeah, I know. They're very big, which is why I'm like, the last, when COVID hit, Ellis was in the middle of kindergarten. And so yeah, yeah. this is, he's in fourth grade. It's the first time we've been at one of these places since then. And it just like, Ellis is a different kid. Ellis, at the preschool versions of these parties, right? It sounds like you've been. All yeah. the kids just run. Like they're running, they're jumping, they're slamming, in, they're climbing, yeah. they're jumping into the foam pits. My kid at that age, everybody's running, running, running. And then when it's his turn, he would walk all the way to the end. He would look at the foam pit. He would then sit <laughs> on the edge. And then choose not to go in. And yeah. I was like, there, there, you got th- different ways to get through this obstacle course. He'd go all the way around, right? Got to find another route. Genius. Anyway, at this age, I'm like, Ellis, it'll be fun to see what it is you want to do. Well, he did all the things. And this is what sucks. This is the, the like parenting 
the fail may be not knowing how to navigate it as well as I'd like to. The thing is, is Ellis tried everything and he was really as bad as everybody else, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't, he only was looking at himself right? and other kids. I mean, like, you know, the kids that he doesn't even like, I'm like, that kid couldn't even get on the rope, right? And your, your best friend did like literally grab the bar and then was like, I'm out. And just yeah. like kind of sauntered up. Everybody sucked at it. But yeah. Ellis, halfway through, starts to get really upset. We leave because we're good at that. You know, it's good to leave a party early. I have no oh, yeah. problem with that. You're talking to an Irish Catholic here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I am an Irish Catholic as well. It's like, yeah. you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Go, go, go. Right. Yeah. And so we leave and he has just worked him i'm gonna go to school tomorrow i'm not gonna show my face i'm gonna wear a mask i'm gonna wear sunglasses and all this stuff and i'm just like baby everybody was awful right like and i don't know like the fail is you know i kind of i know my kid really well and i i just really walked into this one a little blind and yeah it's okay we're all gonna get through that's the lesson at 10 years is we will get through this and Ellis will have therapy tomorrow and it will be fantastic. But it was like, uh, it just brought back so much of the like, oh, yeah, no, we don't, we don't do that. That's not, that's not us. We're not, we're not those, we're not that family. (laughs) Which is fine. But it's again, I have my therapy Friday. We'll all get through it. There you go. But, you know, I could have just sent a gift. So there you go. How about you? Lay it on me. So you have this genius of P races. Don't tell me it's related. Your fail is somehow related to P races. It is also P races is my fail. (laughs) My fail is also P races. Yes, it is. Of course it is. Because what happened a few months ago was Mm -hmm. I realized these tricks you do with kids my son's four and a half is that still a toddler he's probably outgrown toddler but it's in my mind he's still so little they advance very fast and you got to know when to cut and run um he potty trained to a point where he knew the steps of the experience yeah like he can subconsciously he it he doesn't have to think about every step of of the thing so we had a pee race and he reached out to flush because he's used to okay i pee i flush then i reach down to pull up my pants but because we were having a pee race he did not factor in that i was not done Mm. so what he did was he reached out to flush yeah and he placed his beautiful little four-year-old arm directly Uh into my piss stream oh and because of my genius pee race idea it did lead to a situation where i peed on my own child on your child which i think is no one would argue that that qualifies as a fail that that unless he's been stung by a jellyfish there's no real no reason that ever needed to happen for you to you the adult to have yeah. peed no. on the child. That's a one-way you, street. That's is. a one-way street. Yeah. Goes, yeah. I went the wrong way like, down that one-way street. Yeah. It's like throwing up on your kid. Like that's yeah. also a thing yeah. that you shouldn't. No. Like every parent's like, I had some puke in my mouth, right? Like at some yeah. point from a I kid. I had it in my up, eyes once. I had your eyes. That's he right. puked into my eyes. It was into horrible. Into your eyes. But if you turned around, puked right on your kid's face. 
Yeah. There would be a, a special story on you somewhere. Oh, yeah. There would yeah. be interventions. There would be yeah. people called yeah. in to figure yeah. out what happened there. But yep. yeah, yeah, I did. But my yeah. favorite, I will say my favorite <laughs> thing about it was obviously I pinched yeah. off. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't just yeah, like sure. you didn't push just him out of the going. way and continue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, buddy, like, did I. Did daddy just get, did some of daddy's <laughs> pee just get on you? And at the age of four, he went, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. Like yeah. had the right emotional response right. to it. Of like, yeah, that, that yeah. fucking just that happened. Was, that happened. I'm yeah. going to write this down somewhere. Yeah. So pee race was a pretty brilliant idea yeah. until it led to, you know, yeah. me urinating yeah. on my own child yeah, and then having to live with that son. shame. Yeah. That's right. That is something special only for you. Yeah. Well, you're doing a horrible job. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're so welcome. <laughs> Hi, Biz. Um, this is, well, this was a genius, and then it turned into a oh. fail, and it's made me really sad. And so it might become a rant, but I'm pretty sure it's still in the fail category. Um, I thought I was really smart, and on my day off, I booked a very much needed haircut and massage after. I moved in and helped move an entire building yesterday, so I really needed it. And then, of course, it snowed and everything canceled. And then one at a time, my appointments canceled. And then my day kind of fell apart. And the genius was that I took the time to set all that up and the fail. It's not mine, but it was that everything fell apart. And the rant kind of is that I feel this pressure now to be productive do all these other things when what I really needed was just someone to help take care of me. And to, sorry. And to, just to help take some of that stress away after moving and all of the stress dealing with that. And it's fine. It happens. And then I had to take all the time and reschedule three different appointments. And yeah. I thought I was a genius, and then it failed, and I hate to end up around. I'm sorry, but yeah. uh, I'm still trying to do a good job, and just take a minute, and it'll be sad, and then I'm going to do something I enjoy. So, thank you for the show. You're doing an awesome job. Okay. That was heartbreaking. But it is, and it sucks, because she's yeah. right. The fail is yeah. not hers. It's just the fucking universe life. coming to screw you over. And like, you know, you know this. As a parent, you have to pivot, 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 pivot. I have plans, pivot, plans, pivot. Somebody's sick. Somebody's got a day off. Ah, pivot, pivot. And mom, moms take it on the chin with that more than dads do. I, I've seen it with my wife so many yeah. times where life is like, oh, you were going to do one small thing for one yourself? You thing. fucking idiot. You don't <laughs> get to do you? one small thing for yourself. Didn't you I've learn? seen Don't those moments. It. Your fail was scheduling. You should have just walked into a place and said, give it to me right now. You like, thought you were going to run on an elliptical yeah. for 15 minutes? Who do you think you are? Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen it blindside yeah. my wife so many times and my it, heart is breaking hearing that caller. It, it, no, it really sucks. And I, but I want to actually kind of suggests that something else is a fail here. And that's the notion, because it's real, of I should now fill this time yeah. with something. Yeah, and that's smart. the voice you've got to fucking tell to 
go sit in the corner. You know, like it, it yeah. is because that's the voice that gets you. That's the one. Oh, well, I didn't do that. So now I, I'll do laundry or like, I don't know, organize no, something or like yeah. plan meals or I don't know, figure out summer camp for my kid. No, that's right. the fail. Watch TV in sweatpants. Yes. Watch TV in sweatpants. Sweatpants. Exactly. Well, listen, you are actually doing an amazing job. I am really sorry that the universe failed you and we all see you. Chris. We all see you. This Thank was you so much. a delight. I'm so it's glad always that a joy. you have been picking at all this with your E and audiobooks. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a lot. It's a big adjustment and it, it, and you're, it's never over sadly. So it's good yeah. if you start laying that groundwork. It has helped me sort it out. And I hope that these books yeah. help other people yeah. sort it out as well. I think that it will. Everyone, we are going to make sure that you know how to get a hold of these books. We're going to make life easy for you and put in the links. And all you got to do is go click right here in the show notes. Again, the first two are Dad on Pills and Lonely Dad and the newest, latest installment, Dad at Peace. Chris, thank you so much. You're doing a really good job. Thanks. You are too. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you. I love you. I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seed where we start by asking our guests just one question. What movie character made you feel seen? I knew exactly what it was. Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joy Wang slash Jobutupaki. That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment. Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Seen drop every week on MaximumFun.org. All right, everybody, let's settle in and listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hey, this is a rant. Oh, baby. I'm sitting in the parking lot at daycare. And I'm supposed to go in and get my kids in a really shitty day. And work sucks so bad. And I'm trying to get a new job. And the whole point of trying to get a new job was so that I didn't end up sitting in the parking lot crying. My work is not letting me out of my contract, and they're making it so hard. I just spent the last two hours trying to see another medical professional who would write me a note that matched my employer's criteria so that I don't have to pay this stupid fine and penalty for leaving my job. Oh, I'm so mad. I just feel so helpless. And the whole point was so that I could be a better parent with more presence and patience 
here with my kids, and instead I'm sitting in the daycare parking lot crying. I can't go in like this. So mad. Why do employee policies suck? I'm just trying to be a person. Anyways, keep it online. You guys are doing a good job. I'm really trying to. Okay. You are doing a really good job. I I feel like preschool parking lots are probably full of people crying in their cars. Lord knows I have cried in my car. And when you said I didn't want to go in, I'm like, because you didn't want to get your kid. Because <laughs> that's what I've cried about before. I'm like, oh, I don't, I need more time. But, oh, I am a really a sorry. That is so frustrating to be juggling all of that to just be, see, that we, and we talked about this a little earlier with our fail call. No matter what the care is that you're trying to set up for yourself, it is all in honor of being a better parent or person. And when that becomes so difficult to do, it leaves you crying in a parking lot. That is a flag, everybody, not for the person, but for all of us. <laughs> what is happening? Okay? You deserve self-care. You deserve for it to be easy. You deserve for your employers to understand. I don't know what the fuck this is about you having to pay for missing? Where I don't know what that job is. Uh, somebody's going to have to explain that job to me so I can better understand it because I'm having a hard time understanding that job and whatever that employee policy is. So I just, I think I just really want you to know that you are not alone and that your frustration and anger and sadness are so valid. They are so, <laughs> they are so understandable. You are really doing an amazing job. Everybody, it's all really impossible sometimes, isn't it? You're all doing a good job. And there's all this stuff out there <laughs> trying to keep us from doing it. Whether it's trying to keep us from self-care, whether it's weather, whether it's illness, whether it's sickness, whether and we all have plans. And then boom, you've got two weeks off of school for some sort of break. Boom, everybody's sick. Boom, I, I, I don't know, You a relative is coming, whatever. Like I'm going to commit to doing X, Y, and Z for self-care this year. I'm going to schedule these doctor's appointments or I'm going to schedule the spa time. I'm going to do it. And then pivot, 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 something comes up and it is a real kick in the teeth. And we get tired from it. It is yet another like emotional unseen weight that is just out there lurking about, holding us down somehow. 
be nice to yourself. Being nice to yourself, I know it's not always possible to do the big things that we want to do. Sometimes it's just aimlessly walking Target, but you're alone and you have a Starbucks. Maybe it's watching an extra 10 minutes of a show that you really like or putting on your headphones for even just a little while to tune it all out or getting your favorite candy and hiding it somewhere in the house that only you know about and hopefully you don't forget about like I did. And then you discover all delicious candy and you're like, I shouldn't eat this. (laughs) You are all remarkable and you're doing a good job. And I see you. Let's go out and see each other. And let's just remember to set that bar low. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.